Today we are uh, continuing our series on Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. How many of you were here last week for the Festivus feast? Excellent. How many of you achieved the goal of getting the meat sweats? You ate enough bacon and sausage that you smelled like meat for the rest of the day. Okay, that was our goal. That was Daryl and I had this goal. That's actually why Daryl isn't here, really. It's not his sister. He just is still suffering from the meat sweats. Um, yeah, we, we, for, if you weren't here, we had the Festivus feast to kick off our uh, series on Festivus. And, and then we did communion together. Um, we served it uh, to one another. We were sitting at round tables, and, and you served it to the people that were at your table, kind of a communal experience, kind of taking things down to a more simplistic form, which is what Festivus is about. If you don't know what Festivus is, you are of a certain generation and you're not old enough or you weren't cool enough to watch Seinfeld. Seinfeld was a TV show on, uh, in the 80s and early 90s, and it was about nothing. Yes, Seinfeldian people know. It was about nothing. It was a show about nothing that achieved great success. One of their episodes in their final season, season 9, was entitled The Strike. It was intended to be about Kramer going on strike from his bagel shop, H&H Bagels, because he was demanding a higher pay, uh, and he was on strike for 12 years from his job. Um, until the minimum wage got to 535, which is what, what, what he wanted. And uh, as he says to Elaine, now you know who to thank for that. Um, it was his 12 years of suffering. But part of this that was overlooked by the writers and everybody, they thought it would be a good part, but they didn't know it would be as powerful as it has become, was Festivus. And Festivus was Frank Costanza's way of getting around Christmas. And as the story goes, he's in the store and he is trying to buy a doll for his son George for Christmas. As he reaches for the doll, so too does another man. And he says, as I rain down blows upon his head, I realize there's got to be a better way. And so he creates the holiday Festivus, which the Costanza household from that point on celebrated every Christmas season. Instead of putting up a Christmas tree, they put up a Festivus pole made out of aluminum known for its high weight-to-strength ratio. What were the decorations on the pole? Nothing. It was a simple form, simple function, because tinsel's too distracting, he says. They, instead of uh, having a Christmas meal where you tell each other how you love one another, they did a little something different. Let's watch what happens. Welcome, newcomers. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You, Kruger, my son tells me your company stinks. Oh, God. Quiet, you'll get yours in a minute. Kruger. I lost my train of thought. The Festivus feast starts with the airing of grievances. Basically what happens is you sit around the table and you tell one another how they've disappointed you over the past year. Anybody else have a family reunion like that? College kids going home for Christmas, you're going to hear this? Okay, yeah. After the first week, they'll be like, oh, we love you then. But the airing of grievances. It was the beautiful Frank Costanza way of telling each other how bad you are. And... Why? 
because we like to complain, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Have, haven't we created a society in which we kind of like to complain? Aren't there chat rooms about it? Aren't there blogs about it? Aren't there things that, that happen all over the world that all we want to do is complain? We want to talk about stuff. In fact, Daryl is really sad that his sister chose this weekend to be married because he has a lot of problem with you people. You don't clap very much in worship. He has that problem. I was laughing at the Bernie people. They're up here clapping. I'm like, we're not going to clap, dude. Just y'all can keep doing that, but we're not, we don't clap here. We're Alamo Heights, man. I don't know what you do up north. It's beneath us. And then last week, Kevin Workman, who is one of our great volunteers, who's here every Sunday. Most of you probably know him. If you don't know him, you've seen him. He, uh, he told me that he would volunteer to come up here and to unload just his airing of the grievances because he builds a lot of them up. He's a, he sprays pesticides for the Northeast School District for a living. So I think there's a lot of goo-goo stuff going up there. And he just, he's going to spray my house in the wrong way. And, you know, and he's, and he just has these things to share. And we all have these moments where we just want to, I mean, y'all hear about mine almost every Sunday. One of my biggest, most famous ones that actually changed the city of San Antonio is down here over by uh, the quarry when you're trying to yield right there by uh, the Banana Republic and everything. Remember, I had a sermon about this a couple of years ago. The sign clearly states that the right lane yields into the left lane, but none of you read the signs, even though they're there for a reason. You all just ignore them and figure you can just go until you have to jump over the railroad tracks. Me being a law-abiding citizen that I am, I'm in the left lane because that's the left lane that you're supposed to be in. And you want to get over in front of me? <laughs> I don't drive a big truck for any, you know, this is why I drive a big truck. And I got so aggravated and irritated by this. And this is when I get my most passionate airing of the grievances in the car. And now they've changed it. Have you noticed? It's not just a sign anymore. There's actual little white bumps on the road that tell you this is what we meant by this sign. And you people still don't read those things. You're still driving over the bumps. Ah, I feel better about it now. But don't we like to do that? We have these little things in our life and we just want to explode. David Menitsky this morning gave me his airing of the grievances. It was about something and I was kind of laughing and I walked away. He goes, that's my airing of the grievances for the day. I went, yes, it's reached into the sanctuary. We just want to unload on people. We, want, we build up all year long. And what the Costanza household did is they built up, built up, built up, built up, boom, exploded. Which, okay, maybe isn't the most healthy way to do it. I, I don't think if you looked at family dynamics, you would study the Costanza family as what and how to live your life together as a family. They're completely maladjusted. But it really has kind of a beauty to it. And really, if you think about it and you turn it to a different light, it's biblical. What do you say? Jesus Christ and the airing of the grievances? Yes. If you have your text, open up to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, this is when Jesus does his form of the airing of grievances, kind of, sort of. Verse 21 is where I am. You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 
Leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. What Jesus is saying here is before you come to me, get yourself right. Before you come to me, check your heart, check your soul. I don't want you coming to me tainted. I don't want you coming to me when I know and you know that something's going wrong. If you're coming to bring me an offering and you're holding something against someone, or you know that they are to you, clear it up first. This was a big deal. And you know, it, it was really, it's a Jewish holiday. Anyone ever heard of Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is, it starts with Rosh Hashanah. And then Yom, Yom Kippur is considered one of the most high holy days in the Jewish life. And basically what it is, it's the day of repentance. It's the time, during this time, before Yom Kippur, you're getting right with God and you're getting right with man. If you've done something against someone else, you're going to ask their forgiveness. If you've done something against God, you're asking forgiveness to God. You're trying to get right with God and get right with the world before you can come to this special holy day, Yom Kippur. So it was something that was ingrained into these, these young men's lives when Jesus is telling them this. They know this. They know this already. Sure, we got it. We've been doing it our entire lives. But then you take it a step further and you look at Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And what Paul is saying there is he's talking about the, the table of Christ. He's talking about communion. He says, before you come to the table, go through a self-examination. Before you come to the table, do not come to the table unworthily. Because then you're just throwing aside what Christ has done. Before you come to the table... Self-examine yourself. And if there's something you need to do, do it. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that we all get along? Remember that when I was in high school, I remember that famous, can't we all just get along? Why is that so important? Think about it this way. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that he gave the responsibility, the honor of going into the world and sharing the love of God, of going into the world and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And if we allow a cancer inside our body, it will slowly kill us. If we allow division in the body, it will slowly kill us. Now, it may be there and we may function for a while with it, and we can go on and, and we know it's there and we just kind of let it fester and fester. and We can still get by, but we can't be as effective as God intends us to be, unless we remove that cancer. Let me tell you a personal experience of a time in my ministry where I was greatly humbled. It was, it was a time that uh, a volunteer here and I had become crossways with one another. And we worked together to put on this service. She is a very integral part of the operations of New Heights. And we weren't seeing eye to eye. And we wouldn't talk about it. And we just let it fester. 
and we just let it grow and we would be passive aggressive with one another. We knew that it was there, but we kind of just ignored it and tried to go around it and try to skirt it and we would do little things and we're both highly intelligent people. We both believe in Jesus Christ. We both highly intelligent. Okay. I'll just throw that out there. Nobody laughed. Uh, we, <clears throat> she is, uh, we, we both love Jesus Christ. We want to serve God and, and we, we take this seriously what we do. And yet there it was. And we just let it grow. We let it fester. And now you may not have known that it affected the worship here in this room, but it did. You may not have been acutely aware of it, but there was a drop-off in what we were doing. And so one Sunday when we were doing communion, God just broke me and said, Dude, you need to get this straight. Before you come to my table, before you do this service, you need to go back there and handle this. So I went back there and I took her into another room. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, for over a year now, we have been back and forth with one another. And and honestly, what is it all about? We've moved beyond remembering what it was. And I said, forgive me. I can't come to the table today until we do this. And she was very shocked because that's unlike me. And she was very thankful and very grateful. And we didn't know it, but we each were hurting because our relationship was broken. There was a cancer that was there and existed and we knew it was there, but we didn't want to have healing because we were both too stubborn. And yet when it came, man, I'm so grateful and thankful that it has. And it's brought unity back to our little team. I'm telling you, if there's a cancer that exists in your life, you need to remove it. If there is something that's going on in a relationship that you have, you need to confront it. Now, look, I'm not talking about silly little things like, I can't believe that my wife always squeezes the tube of toothpaste from the middle. Everybody knows you squeeze it from the end. It drives me nuts. Every morning I get up and here's this little thumbprint in the middle. I'm like, what are you doing? It's from the end. The toilet paper goes over the roll, not under the roll. All the over people, over the roll people. Yeah, see, we're we're the majority. You know, there's these little things like that that just are trivial. And sure, they kind of aggravate me, but it's not that big of a deal. But if there's something deeper, there's something deeper. And you you need to confront that person. You need to go and ask for forgiveness. Whether it's something that somebody has done to you or something that you have done to someone. Whatever it is, you need to get right with God's people so that you can get right with God. And look, I I, I realize that there are going to be moments in my life where I'm going to fall again and I'm going to do something to somebody. I mean, every Sunday pretty much I offend someone. And so I know that those moments are going to happen and I know that those things are going to arise. But if I'm truly living my life for Christ, if I'm getting everything back down to this festivus pole, something simple and beautiful and pure, something that is Jesus Christ in my life, then when those moments arise, I won't hesitate to correct them. I won't wait till the end of the year in the festivus feast to sit down and say, I have a lot of problem with you. If I truly want to have Christ dwelling inside of me, and boy, I do. Man, I do more than anything. 
I want the Red Sox to get back to the World Series and win again, sure. But I want Christ to be in my life and live in my life more than anything. I want my life to be a representation of him. I want people to look at me and not see me, but see Jesus Christ. I want when I walk off the stage, somebody to go, good sermon, that they're not even talking to me. That they're talking to God because they see that it is God and not me. Ray Vanderland says, we're all billboards for Jesus Christ. Great, I want to be the biggest, flashiest billboard that people see and never see me. But see God. I can't do that unless I let God become me, become a part of me, dwell inside of me. He already does, but John says, I must become less and he must become more. And we talked about this last week, that the Christmas season, we need to get back to that mindset that the world must become less and Christ must become more. The world must become less and Christ must become more. It's got to be less about Bing Crosby and the decorations and the holiday songs and all those things and more about Jesus Christ. I love that other stuff. I love eggnog. Every time in H-E-B when I see eggnog finally makes its appearance for the season, I get so excited I do a little dance of joy. But it's got to be less about those things and more about Jesus Christ. That's what this Festivus series is about for us. It's returning the season to what it should be. There's got to be a better way, and you know what there is. It's a celebration of a Lord and Savior who gave his Godship up to come and be a man here on earth and to experience what we experience and to live what we live and to suffer and die for us and to raise again so that we might have true freedom and true life. That's what we want in this world, to experience that. This Christmas season, as you're getting Christmas cards from people that maybe you haven't spoken to in a long time, And it just shows up and you're like, oh my gosh, wow, he's really old now. You know, you get those cards, you're like, seriously? Wow. People say that about us. As you get those cards or you start thinking those thoughts about Christmas's past and people come into your mind, just think about it and pray about it. The airing of the grievances can be a biblical, wonderful healing process if done with the intentions of Jesus Christ to remove the cancer from the body and to move forward in his love. Let us pray.